0: Now, if you weren't here last week, um, we talked about the fact that you have a thought machine. You have a thought machine. It's a gift from God. It's your brain. In your brain, you find what we know is the mind, which is our mind, will, our, our emotions, our, our thoughts, all that good stuff. Um, we learned that thoughts precede actions. We learned that not everything you think is from you. We learned that you are called to govern your own thought life, and we learned that thoughts can lead to strongholds and inner vows. And I had so many people talk to me this week about... The Lord uh, helping them identify some of the strongholds in the intervals that they had built up in their own lives. And I encourage you, all of our messages are are in the foyer, at the Welcome Center, on CD. They're also on our podcast, and they are on our website, uh, vfcthomasfall.org. So you can watch the video, or you can listen to the audio. This week, we're talking about mind control. Mind control. Now, when we use the term mind control, that's usually kind of a negative thing, right? The idea of someone controlling your mind or wanting to control someone else. But when I'm talking about mind control this morning, uh, I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm actually talking about, if you guys are going to the next slide or give me control, either way, uh, I'm actually talking about this winning the thought war in your mind. Winning the thought war in your minds. And we're going to look at some scriptures here this morning and let you know uh, that there is a war going on in your mind. And some of you are like, oh yeah, believe me, I know. I'm here. I hear it every day, right? There is a war going on in your mind. But Scripture, this isn't just something. You aren't just left alone to deal with this. Scripture actually gives instructions on how uh, to deal with this. Um, and so I, I want to I show you a few things here in Scripture. First of all, I'm just going to quote it for you. You can turn to it later. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. So what does this tell us? This tells us that there are three parts to us. There are three parts that that, that human beings have. Isn't it interesting that we're made in God's likeness and he is three parts as well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, so are we. We are three parts. We are spirit, soul, and body. And so the spirit is, is the part of you that's going to live forever. The, the, it's the essence of who you are. It's the real you. It's the eternal you. Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. It's what you think. Your, it, it, it's your thought life, right? And then your body is your temporary earth suit that we all see when we look at each other. So you are a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. And so we need to understand that the thought war is going to be one in our minds. So let's look at Romans chapter 8. I'm going to be reading the New Living Translation. Let's look at this war. Let's look at what Scripture has to say about this war that's going on in our mind. Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8. It says this, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Okay, So, in other words, your thought life has to do with who you're letting control you. Is that what it says? Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Death is bad. Death is not good. Okay, But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Uh Uh-oh. You've got, now listen to this, you've got a part of you that's always hostile to God. It's called your sin nature. It's called your flesh. It's called your carnal mind. In some parts of the the scripture, it's translated that way. There is a part of you, don't worry, you're not the only one, it's all of us, that's hostile to God. So the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. So we see you can be controlled by your sinful nature or you can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Let's turn real quick to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read verse 17 here. It's kind of a long verse. This, This just makes it so obvious, so evident. Galatians 5, 17. Again, I'm in the New Living Translation. It says this. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Wow, is that where you live or what? These two forces are fighting each other. They're constantly fighting. They're contrary to one another, and you may want to do the right thing. You may have good intentions, but it's not always easy to carry out your good intentions. Why? Because there's a part of you that don't want to do good. There's a part of you that wants to do bad. There's a part of you that doesn't want to do what God is saying to do. There's a part of you that wants to do what your flesh wants. And I want to give a quick example. And Hannah and Eva, if you guys would come up, Will, could I borrow you for a second? I don't see Eric in here. Will, you're going to stand right here in the middle. Right behind here. Alright, so for this example, are y'all, y'all excited? Are you looking forward to this right now? Say hi. Hi. Okay. So so Hannah, you're gonna be the flesh. Sorry. You're gonna be the flesh. Will, you are the mind. And Eva, you are the spirit. Okay? And so we've got these three parts of who we are, the flesh, the mind, and the spirit. Now, what we just heard about in Scripture is that the flesh and the spirit are contrary. They're going in different directions, and the mind is going to be the battleground where these two duke it out. This should be interesting. So let's say, for instance, let's just, let's just take a, a, a for instance here, okay? Let's say... All right, let's say that someone has said something really, really mean and hurtful to this person, all right, because all three of them make up the same person, okay? Well, immediately the flesh wants to respond and latches on and says, Hey, you need to respond. You need to take them down. You need to show them who's boss, right? But then the spirit kicks in and says, No, 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 no. Look, we need to forgive. Be kind to one another, right? Forgive one another, right? And so they're pulling. Come on, y'all can pull harder than that. Come on, make him hurt. <laughs> y'all know what it's like? Yeah, it's like that, okay? And then finally, one of them lets go, and the other one wins. All right, so hey, so we chose the right thing. The spirit won in this instance, okay? And, and instead of, of, of returning evil for evil, the person said, you know what? I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive, okay? Next day, this person, because they're all three, the same person, this person's going through the drive through They place their order. Three Baconators, that's called gluttony. They get to the window. This actually happened to me last week, not the Baconator part. Team lead. Um, they drive up to the window. The lady behind the window hands them their food and says, Thanks, have a nice day. It must be free. And so the spirit immediately convicts and says, Oh, no, you got to do the right thing. That girl's going to get in trouble if you don't pay for your food. Right? And the flesh grabs on and says, Wait, maybe God's trying to bless you. <laughs> you ever thought that? Hey, God's going to cheat, uh, so hurt someone else so that I can be okay. Right? These are the ways that we justify this stuff. And so they start pulling. They start pulling. All right? And then one of them, one of them lets go. Oh, no, he drove off. <laughs> and he didn't pay. All right? Thanks, guys. Y'all can sit down. <laughs> you, you see how that works? And, and, and you guys have experienced that. You have, there's this battlefield between your flesh and your spirit. And you're always feeling tugged on. And you're always feeling pushed on and pulled on in different directions. Have you ever had thoughts and thought... I can't believe I thought both of those. Those are totally opposite. Okay, it's your spirit and your flesh duking it out. All right, so you've got to understand that there is a battle inside of you. Your flesh and your spirit are fighting in your mind, and in the end, it's your mind that's going to make the decision as to what you do. Now, that should make you ask this question. How can I win the war in my mind? I know there's one going on. I know there's a battle going on. How can I win this war? Let me give you four ways to win the war. The first one is this. Make your spirit stronger. If your spirit and your flesh are duking it out and they're fighting... Whoever is strongest is gonna win, right? I mean, we know this in the natural. If you were, if you've ever seen like MMA or, or boxing or whatever, you know that whoever's trained the most, whoever's gotten into it the most, all right, uh, those, that's, that's the one that's gonna win. Whoever's stronger is gonna win. So if you know that your spirit and your, uh, and your flesh are gonna be fighting, it makes sense to ensure that your spirit is strong. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who've had the veil removed, that's those of us that can see Jesus, we see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The New King James says, We are changed from glory to glory. We behold him as in a mirror. Now, this is interesting. This is God's growth pattern for you. This is his desire for discipleship for you. And what is it? You behold him. New Living Translation says you see and reflect. See and reflect. As you spend time with God, you begin to look like God. And this is a universal truth. You become what you behold. So if you behold the presence of the Lord, if you behold the word of the Lord, if you behold him in worship, if you, if you spend time praying in the Spirit, praying, building yourself up, you do all these things, you strengthen your spirit, and so when the battle rages and you're getting pulled in all directions, you are more likely to do the right thing because the Spirit wants to do the right thing, your flesh wants to do the wrong thing, but your spirit is stronger because you've been investing in your spirit. So we've got to make our spirit stronger. All right, Spend time with Him. You know, you know as Christians you should read the Bible, right? Read the Bible and pray. What should you do? Read the Bible and pray. I mean, the church has gotten a good, done a good job of gotten, getting that out to people. Oh, I should read the Bible and pray. Okay, yeah, but why? Because if you don't tell people why, then they just do something out of tradition, religion, and habit. And there's no life in that. Why do you read the Bible and pray? So you look more like Jesus. Because every time you behold him, you are changed just a little bit more from glory to glory. And so we want to behold him and therefore become like him. So we need to make our spirit stronger. The next step to winning the war with your mind is to make your flesh weaker. I don't know if you've ever seen like a kung fu movie. Right? And they're fighting, and, and sometimes all of a sudden someone they get hit and then they grab some dirt and they throw it in the other guy's eyes. Right? I've watched too much kung fu. What's he doing? He's not making himself stronger, he's making his opponent weaker. Alright? So not only so if your spirit and your flesh are duking it out, and they're fighting, it makes sense not just to make your spirit stronger, but to make your flesh weaker Galatians 2:20 says my old self has been crucified with Christ it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me crucified y'all crucifixion's messy it's ugly it's painful but if you want to if you want to win the battle between your flesh and your spirit you not only build your spirit up but you got to weaken your flesh how do you do that well you do things like fasting A lot of us fasted for 18 days in January. And and all of you that fasted know that there was an incredible spiritual benefit. Why? You were making your flesh weak so your spirit could be strong by comparison. So things like this, denying the flesh through self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. You know, you're going to continue to have these desires. The apostle Paul says, look, the flesh is always going to war against the spirit. I, I hate to tell you all this, but until you're in heaven, you're always going to have a flesh. It's one of the requirements of being on earth, a body. <laughs> you're always going to have the flesh with you. So, 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 but it's, so it's not about getting rid of that flesh. That comes when we're, when we're in heaven with the Lord. But until then, you can do some actual stuff to make your flesh weaker, right? You can, you can instead of you know, binge-watching stuff, you can turn it off and, and read Scripture, you can, utilize your, um, you, you can utilize your commute to and from work by listening to sermon podcasts, right? I know of a church that puts their sermons on a podcast. You might want to check out VFCs, right? Do you see what I'm saying, though? And, and so you, these weaken your, they, they, they build up your spirit, and they, they, they tear, tear down your flesh. Does that make sense? And so that's what we want to do. That's how you're going to win the war. Here's the third way, and I want to spend a good bit of time on this one. Is you take your thoughts captive. Now, now you've heard that phrase probably. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Taking your thoughts captive. That's kind of the Bible, the religious way of saying it. Take your thoughts captive. My my version of this is to fight your mind traffic. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mind traffic. You ever been wounded by someone else and like for the next week... Like, it's all, like, it, 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 as soon as you're not thinking of something intentionally, you go back to that wound. And you're having, I have conversations with people in my head. <laughs> I should have said that, right? you ever had the should have said that, you know? I, I'll find myself just, you know, having these conversations and, 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 and dealing with, with all the, the, the thoughts. And, 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 and so we all have mind traffic that, that just enters our mind. It seems like against it's even against our will, and so um, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians ten four through five. I'm reading in the New King James here, and it says this: For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. There's carnal, fleshly, okay, but mighty in God. So it's spiritual in God. To pulling down strongholds. We talked about strongholds are those brick by brick thought processes, mindsets that we build ours, we wall ourselves behind to protect ourselves. So these are the strongholds. So they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See, God may say, this is true, but you're going to have thoughts to the contrary that say, no, that's not true, God, this is true. They exalt themselves above what God says. And so it's our job to take those thoughts captive, okay, to take them captive and to push them back down and say, no, that's not true. What God says about me is true, which means the first thing you've got to know is what God says about you. So we got to take these thoughts captive. We got to fight our mind traffic. I want to give you four steps, four steps to taking thoughts captive, okay? Let me show you these. These are these these aren't like necessarily in order. These are just steps that you can employ to fight mind traffic. That godless thought pattern that keeps attacking you over and over. It's determine, delay, distract and declare. Determine delay, distract, and declare. When you're dealing with mind traffic, these are weapons, tools that you can utilize to fight that mind traffic. The first one, determine. What do I mean? It means you determine the intentional thoughts that you're going to think. You determine what you're going to think. When you're having that mind traffic bubble up in your mind and you, you're having these conversations in your head you're replaying that incident and you're thinking about it, you can choose to override those thought patterns with something else. Now, a major way you can do this, we're going to talk about next week, which is going to be the third entry in this. It's going to be talking about using your imagination. How you can leverage and actually hijack your imagination for the kingdom. You see, You can see where Jesus does this? You can see where uh, the Apostle Paul, it's really cool. It's where I've never heard anyone teach on this. I'm super excited about it. Okay? So we're going to be talking about that even more. But you get to determine your thoughts. Now, it's, I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> I'm just saying it's necessary. That you can determine what you think with intentional thoughts. The next thing is to delay. And this is a little trick. If you're having this mind traffic and you just can't shake it and you've got these feelings of feeling down or anger or whatever, there's a delay tactic uh, that you can actually use that goes like this. I'm really hurt by what this person said. I'm really disappointed in what just happened. But I'm going to think about this at 8 o'clock tonight. I'm not going to think about it right now. And you delay it. And what happens is that, that delaying will allow your brain to let go of it because you know, okay, I'll revisit it at 8. What will happen is you'll either forget at 8 o'clock to think about it, or at 8 o'clock, what do you do? Okay, yeah, I'm really hurt by this, but I'm going to think about this tomorrow morning. And this is the delay tactic, and actually psychologists use this all the time with patients, where you can delay the thoughts of anxiety. You can delay the thoughts of depression. You can delay these thoughts of hurt. By, by just it's playing, it's playing a game with yourself where you just keep pushing it off and off. In the meantime, the Holy Spirit can come in and bring healing to your heart. So not only do you determine the thoughts that you think, but you can delay the negative thoughts and push them back, push them back, way back. Anyone remember that old tear? Okay, sorry, that just popped in my head. Should have delayed that one. Here's the next one. <laughs> Distract. Distract. When, when you are... When you are having these negative thoughts um, and and you're just having this mind traffic and it's just overwhelming, you should distract yourself so that it doesn't overtake you and overwhelm you. Now, here's the thing. And some of you, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Okay? Do it your own way. But I encourage you. when, When I'm having one of those days where like this, the, 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 the thoughts are going, the conversations are going in my head. I distract myself. You know, scripture says, um, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I find something to laugh at. Cat videos on YouTube. Goat videos on YouTube. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're laughing at stupid animals instead of rehashing that, har- that harmful conversation you had. Now, can you distract yourself with the Scripture? Of course. And I'm not saying you go to YouTube instead of Scripture. I'm just saying there's nothing wrong with intentionally making yourself glad. And so so this is a tool that you can use when you're fighting. When you're in the middle of that battle and you're fighting that mind traffic, you've determined, I am going to think this. I'm going to put this negative thought off till later, deal with it later, employ delaying, and then also I'm going to distract myself with something that's life-giving and affirming and fun. It's okay to have fun. You know, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, not seriousness. Seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not listed. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's okay to put yourself in situations where you have joy. And then lastly is declare. Declare. You know, um, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, 29, it says... says, Let no unwholesome talk proceed from your mouth, but only what is good for edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now, here's what a lot of us do. We're we're dealing with this mind traffic. We're feeling down. We're feeling anxious. We're feeling these different things, right? And what do you do? You begin to talk and agree with those negative thoughts. Oh, Jamie, you're such an idiot. You ever told yourself that? Well, Scripture says... We need to only say the things that are good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace. Well, you're the first person that hears what you say. What if you use your words intentionally to say the truth about who you are in Christ and declare that? It's really hard to think a negative thought while you're declaring out loud a positive thing. Think about it. And When I'm tempted, and I've shared this with you guys, I mean, I, you know, I, I like to, um, food has always been a, an easy out for me. Because y'all don't care if I do gluttony in front of you, you'll join in. All the other sins, you're like, oh, Pastor Jamie, you can't do that. Fried chicken, yes, yes, we'll do that. So, <laughs> so gluttony has been one of those things for me, right? I'll ride past Wendy's three in the afternoon. I'm not hungry. I just want bacon, Right? I just want that. It's going to release endorphins in my brain and make me feel good. Nitrates. Yeah. All right. And I, will, I, will, I have literally driven past Wendy's and said, I don't need you to be happy. And I talked to it. I talked to Wendy. Wendy. I get whenever, you know, whenever it's time for us to buy a new vehicle, I get obsessed with, with research. Does anyone else do that? I can tell you when I'm in that, I'm not in there right now, so I don't care what's on the road. But man, when I'm looking at cars, I can tell you every make, every model, the year that their body style changed, and, and I mean, I just get ugh, obsessed with it, with all the research. I remember one time I was getting obsessed. I, drew, I was dr- uh, driving past a car lot, and the little shiny cars were shining for me. You know what I'm saying? They're talking to me. You want me. You would look good in this. Everyone would think you're cool if you drove this. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And I pointed at that car lot and I said, I don't need you to be happy. I was declaring the truth instead of the negative temptation that was coming my way. And so these are very real tools that you can use. You determine your thoughts. Think intentionally. You delay the negative thought. Put it off until later and then later and then later. Distract yourself with things that are going to put you in a healing state of mind. And then declare the truth of the Lord and speak to the temptation and tell it to go. This is how we take thoughts captive. Here's the last step to winning the war in our minds. is to renew your mind. You probably saw this coming. If you knew we were talking about, you know, thought control, mind control, winning the battle in your mind, you'd probably, yeah, we're probably going to hit up Romans 12:2, talk about renewing the mind. We are let me read it to you. New King James says, "Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. New Living Translation says let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So I did a little word study because renewing your mind is such a churchy phrase. Oh brother, just renew your mind. Just renew that thing. You know your mind, renew it. Like what does that mean? Like what how do you renew your mind? So I did a little word study on that, that, uh, that Greek word for renew. It's anikinosis is the Greek word, anikinosis. And it's defined as a renewal, a renovation, or a complete change for the better. Now see, here's the thing. Renew is probably not the best word for us. Why? Because we talk about renewing our Netflix subscription We talk about renewing a book at the library. We talk about renewing our driver's license. And what are we doing? We're simply elongating or extending what we already have. That's what renewal means to us. That's not what this word means. You see the other word that they use? It can be defined as renovation. I like that. Have you ever renovated a part of your house? Maybe a kitchen or a bathroom or or, or a bedroom? What do you do? You start knocking out walls, man. You start taking out the old But that's not enough. You're not done renovating when you just take out the old. What do you have to do? you got to put in the new. That's renovation. And why do you renovate in your house? Why do you do this? Why do you renovate? Well, you upgrade. A renovation is an upgrade so that you can have a better quality of life. You don't renovate a bathroom, take out a really nice tub, and put in a really janky one. Right? You don't do that. You don't, you don't upgrade to the old paint colors. You upgrade to the newest. Right? It changes our quality of life. It heightens our quality. It's an upgrade. In the same way, he says, renew your mind, renovate your mind. Renovate it. Get out with the old and build in the new so that you can have a better quality of life through your thinking. The more you renew your mind, you renovate your mind with the Word of God, yielding to what He says, the better quality of life you're going to have. You're going to think right thoughts. And the stinking thinking is going to come. That mental traffic is going to come. It's part of the human existence. But you'll have the tools necessary to distract and delay and declare and do these things that will get rid of the stinking thinking and tear out those old sinks and tear out that old dishwasher and tear out that old stuff and replace it with new stuff. God's way of thinking, God's way of approaching problems. It's time to upgrade your thinking. It's time to renovate your mind. And it's time to think intentional thoughts. So I have a question for you. And it's this. Are you practicing godly mind control? Not the bad mind control. Godly mind control. Where you're in charge of your mind. Not your mind in charge of you. Where you think dedicated thoughts. Thoughts. And you go to war against the negative thoughts. This is what's going to give you peace. This is what's going to give you joy. When you're taking your thoughts captive you're saying, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You're trying to exalt yourself above God, what God says about me. I'm pushing you down below what he says. If you don't intentionally do this... If you don't intentionally take those thoughts captive and practice godly mind control, your mind will not because because you're a human. You've got a flesh. Remember the battle? Your flesh will win. And you'll be that person no one wants to be around. You'll be that person that's always talking negative. You'll be that person who gets caught in a moment of hurt and trauma and pain and can't let go. We've got to leverage our minds for the kingdom. It's what's good for you, and it's what's good for the kingdom. Amen? Let's stand for prayer. Next week, how to hijack your imagination for the kingdom. I'm really pumped about that one. But I encourage you right now, we, let's do some business. Let's respond to the Lord. I invite you to close your eyes just to get rid of all distractions. Just ask the Holy Spirit in your own words, under your breath, just you and Him. Am I practicing godly mind control? Am I taking my thoughts captive? Or is my stinking thinking and my mind traffic kicking my tail? Which one is it? Maybe you're halfway in, halfway out. That's okay. can't fix it until you acknowledge it. Thank you, Lord. I'd love to lead you in a prayer where you invite the Holy Spirit to give you a battle plan for your mind. Where you invite the Holy Spirit into your mind so that you can exercise proper godly Mind control. If you will, just pray this prayer to me. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that there is a battle in my thoughts. My flesh wants to win, and my spirit wants to win. So I pray that you would help me strengthen my spirit and weaken my flesh. Help me take my thoughts captive by determining what I'm going to think, by delaying negative thoughts, by distracting myself with joy, and by declaring the truth. I want to renew my mind and renovate my mind. And I invite you to move in. I'm making space for you, Jesus to make your home in my thought life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Cynthia, if you'll close us out.